Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. At Taramara today, and those of you who are watching online, uh, we're beaming out to the World Wide Web this morning, and it's so good that you could be with us uh, this morning. Um, my name's Barry, and I'm the campus pastor at Taramara, and uh, it's my privilege to share with you today. A um, couple of things... Um, when I was a teenager, there was a girl in the church that I, was, that I, grew, that I went to as a, as a young fella, and she got leukemia, uh, and she got sick, and she died. And it was very hard for us to come to grips with that. Earlier on this year, my dad, who had turned 92, uh, his health declined, and he passed away in April this year and left my mum to be a widow and pain and grief, grief is very painful, and it's something that uh, we will go through from time to time. In the last month, I've experienced a little bit of pain on my head and on my nose. I've been to a dermatologist and had some skin cancers dealt with on my back, on my nose, on my head, but I'm okay. But it's not much fun when you have uh, bright lights shining on your nose and burning into your flesh. It's not much fun. Pain, suffering, it's a part of life. And if any one of us live long enough, we will experience suffering. If you live long enough, you will either see suffering or you'll experience suffering. And uh, like the song says in REM, sang this song, everybody hurts, everybody cries, everybody hurts sometimes. I won't sing it, but uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a great song because it connects with us. We connect with it because we go, yeah, everybody does hurt. Everybody does cry. Sometimes, And so today what we want to look at is I want to look at the middle. We've looked at a couple of roadblocks already over the last couple of weeks. And today we're looking at this topic of suffering. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? And this is one of the roadblocks to people following Jesus. It's one of the roadblocks to the Christian faith. And uh, so let's have a, a, we're going to see if we can dive in. But it's the question of if God is all powerful and all loving and all good, why is there so much pain and suffering and evil and hardship in our world today? For example, there is in our world today what I call health-related pain, health-related suffering. There's sickness. There's cancer. There's COVID. Six and a half million people throughout our world have died in the last two and a half years as a result of COVID. But there's been other deaths as well. And, and there's what we call health-related suffering. For some of us, it ends up being in Parkinson's or dementia or some other kind of pain. For, for others of us, there's stuff going on in our body and in our world today where there's pain and there's suffering. Then there's also relationship suffering. This is where there's the heartache of separation, the heartache of a betrayal or a denial or the heartache of divorce. And that's a very painful deep pain that people can go through. Then there's the devastation of domestic violence. And, and you know, that's a horrible thing for any person to ever experience uh, that. And then there's those of you, some of you know people, or maybe yourself, you've experienced the death of a child or the death of a grandchild. And it's a deep, deep pain. It's, it's relationship pain, suffering. And then there's another type of suffering that happens in our world today. It's the economic and political suffering. This happens, you know, maybe because there's poverty or starvation or war or terror. 
uh, and there's difficult things that happen. And so um, sometimes there's injustice. And uh, I was alive in uh, September 2011, and uh, sorry, in September 2001, it was 9-11, and where thousands of people were killed as a result of a terrorist attack. Then there's natural disaster suffering. Floods. I mean, you just, I just looked at the news last night. There's floods in, there's floods in Europe. There's floods in, 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 in Afghanistan and Pakistan. There's floods, um, there's floods in America. There's flood, like on every continent, there's been floods in Australia. Floods. Fires. Droughts. I, I remember li- I was living in Ipswich in southeast Queensland in the 2011 floods that killed just up the road, just like half an hour up the road, killed um, uh, you know, over 30 people were washed away in floods. There's, uh, then there's Boxing Day, the Boxing Day tsunami of 2004, where this earthquake caused the tsunami and these massive waves hit the Pacific Rim and killed, just in an instant, 250,000 people. Where was God? If God is so good and God is so loving, why do these bad things happen? Well, I've got just 25 minutes to try and answer that one. And I'm just going to scratch the surface. But let's dive straight into it and see how we go and see where we land. We're going to look at Jesus and what he said um, in the book of Matthew. Matthew 16, 21 to 27. This is just fascinating. Look at this with fresh eyes this morning. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life peter took him aside and began to rebuke him never lord he said this shall never happen to you jesus turned and said to peter get behind me satan you are a stumbling block to me You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, just before this little encounter and conversation had happened, Jesus had asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And it's Peter that says, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. In effect, Peter is saying to Jesus, Jesus, You are God in human form. You are God who's come down to earth. And Jesus said to him, that's right, Peter. You got it right. You're on the money. You got it exactly right. That's who I am. And then Jesus starts to say, and guess what? I am going to suffer. I, the Son of God, am going to deliberately go, intentionally go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be killed. Now, For Peter, this is a roadblock. This is his roadblock. Peter's roadblock is, that can't happen to the Son of God. 
The Son of God must not suffer. No pain or suffering or hardship is going to come on the Son of God because, after all, you're God in human form. That's who you are. There's no way that that's going to happen. And so this was a roadblock for Peter, that God himself would suffer. And what happens is Peter takes Jesus aside and said, this isn't going to happen. Bad things aren't going to happen to you. And Jesus says, no, Peter. No, in fact... You are the stumbling block. Jesus actually says, Peter, you are a roadblock. You are a roadblock to what what I'm about. You don't get it. And Jesus has to say to Peter, Peter, I am the son of God. Yes, I am. But I am going to deliberately enter. I have come as, as a... You know, I've left heaven, I've come to earth and I am deliberately going to, intentionally going to immerse myself in human pain and suffering. You see, God is so, so good that he experiences the depth of pain, the greatest depth of suffering. In Jesus Christ, God experiences the greatest depths of suffering. Consider this for a moment about Jesus. From the moment he was born, he was hunted down. From the moment he was born, there were kings that wanted him dead. This was such a big thing for Mary and Joseph that they had to take Jesus out of Israel and take him all the way down to Egypt and where Jesus lived as a refugee in Egypt for the early parts of his life. Jesus knows what it's like to be a refugee. And when Jesus was a grown man, he experienced temptation like no one had ever experienced. He experienced hunger and thirst and tiredness and loneliness and rejection. Jesus experienced that kind of pain. Some of us here today have experienced grief, the loss of a loved one. Where, where, where someone you've loved and cared for and you've lost them. And guess what? Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus had a cousin. His name was John. And, the, and, and, and John had his head cut off. It was an unjust death. And Jesus wept at this death. Jesus had a good friend, Lazarus, who died an untimely death. And when Jesus went to his grave, Jesus wept. Jesus knows what it's like to grieve. Have you ever had relationship pain? Some of us have had relationship pain and Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus had some good friends that he hung around with for three years and after a few years, one of them said, no, I'd rather get 60 coins and betray you and Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus and when when Jesus was in the garden and the soldiers came to arrest him, they all ran away. The rest of them ran away. Jesus knows what it's like to be let down by those closest to him in his time of greatest need. Jesus knows what it's like. Some of us here today have had unjust suffering. Pain that we've experienced from people in power or authority over us. Well, guess what? Jesus knows what that's like too. Jesus did not do anything wrong and yet what happened was religious leaders, political leaders, economic leaders and spiritual leaders conspired together 
to have him betrayed, to have him arrested, to have him tried unjustly, to have him, um, you know, tried unjustly. It was all a big setup. He was falsely accused and then they sentenced him to death. Jesus knows pain. He knows what it's like to experience relational pain, social pain, pain that's unjust suffering. He knows what it's like. And what about physical pain? Well, when it comes to physical pain, think about what Jesus went through. He was spat upon. He was punched. He was beaten with rods. He was, he was flogged with a whip. Nails were driven through his hand, a spike through his feet, and then he was hung up on this cross as if he's worthy for neither earth or heaven, but suspended in the middle of both. He was treated as the worst of criminals. Jesus knows what pain and suffering is all about, and Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the Son of God, and Jesus, our God, knows what suffering is like. You see, God is not detached from our suffering. He gets it. While Jesus was on the cross, people taunted him and said to him, why don't you just save yourself? Why don't you save yourself of this discomfort? Why don't you come down from the cross if you are the Son of God? Why don't you take the path of comfort rather than the path of suffering? I shared last week with our Taramara congregation and sorry, guys, you're going to get it one more time. This is a point that I shared with our church last week up at Taramara. It says this, In Jesus Christ, we see God loving people enough that he would die for those who don't love him. So if there's anyone watching online or anyone in the room this morning at Taramara here at Crow's Nest or wherever you're watching today, if you don't love God, if you don't love Jesus, I've got some news for you. He loves you anyway. In Jesus, we have a God who loves us enough that he would die for those who don't even love him back, that don't give a hoot, don't give a rats. He loves them anyway. He loves us all anyway. You see, Jesus is, you know, I've talked about some of his pain. Guess what? We haven't even touched the depth of the pain that Jesus experienced. Because when Jesus is, what we've got to understand about Jesus is he's about to experience the deepest pain of all. You see, for eternity, there has been the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, three in one. And they have been in intimate relationship since eternity. That's why when we read the book of Genesis, it says, let us do this and let us do this. Who's God? The Father and the Son and the Spirit are talking with one another. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Jesus has always existed as the Son of God. And there has been in that relationship of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, intimacy, community, communion, unity. And what happens while Jesus is on the cross it gets dark. And the Bible says that Jesus in his body, he bore in his body all of our sin. The world's sin and injustice and ugliness and all the evil in the world. Jesus bore it into his body on the cross. I, don't, I can't fathom it. I, can, I just can't fathom it. But, but that's what happened. And what happens is Jesus says something and he cries out a prayer. 
he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's going on at this point? What's happening is, is, is Jesus is being separated from the Father. For the, for, the, for the first time ever in history, the Son and the Father are separated. There is, Jesus experiences what it's like to be abandoned, to be spiritually abandoned by the Father. This is the deepest pain anyone can experience, spiritual pain. And Jesus experienced it. Tim Keller in his book, uh, The Reason for God, says this. Christianity alone among the world religions claims that God became uniquely and fully human in Jesus Christ. And therefore, he knows firsthand despair, rejection, loneliness, poverty, bereavement, torture and imprisonment. On the cross, he went beyond the worst human suffering and experienced cosmic rejection and pain that exceeds ours as infinitely as his knowledge and power exceeds ours. In his death, God suffers in love, identifying with the abandoned and God-forsaken. Now that is a mouthful. But I want you just to ponder those words for a moment. Ponder those words. God suffers in love. God suffers in love. God knows suffering. You see, God is not immune from suffering. God immersed himself into suffering. He gets it. He understands it. He's not detached or removed from it. Our God is so good. Our God is such a great, good God that he has experienced pain and suffering. He's in it. Jesus is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And uh, with that word, Emmanuel, throughout the Bible, Jesus is described as a man of suffering, familiar with pain. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's described as, as a person of suffering and sorrow and pain. And Jesus lived a life like that. He understands it. There's another thing I want to share about suffering, and that is this. God is so good that he is actually present with us in our suffering. You know, in my own life, there's been times where I felt heartbroken. There's been times when I felt crushed. There's been times when it's just been unbearable. I thought I just won't be able to go on. And in those times, I've drawn closer to God. It's in those heartbreaking times, those crushed times, that I draw nearer to Jesus and he's given me strength. I believe that the writer of Psalms is right when he writes these Psalms. Let's have a look at two Psalms, Psalm 34 Verse 18, it says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Psalm 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Do you see it? Do you get it? Do you see it? That God is present with us 
in our pain and in our suffering. What I've found as I meet with and listen to people who are going through pain, people who are going through a separation or a divorce, people who experience the death of a child, people who experience the heartache, what I see is they look to Jesus, they are strengthened and they are drawn nearer to Jesus through their pain. One of the questions that people sometimes ask is, why is it that bad things happen to good people? We're not going to answer that today, but if you want to check it out, I'll give you a few chapters to read. Just read the book of Job. It's a good long book. But here you find a guy who's a good guy and he experiences incredible pain and it's a really good read, the book of Job. But we won't have time for that one today. The next point i want to just share with us today that i think is really profound and important and that is this that god is so good he actually has purpose for our suffering god has a purpose for our suffering and our pain god is not mean god is not always the cause of the pain that we go through but there's a great book uh and um called how people grow and in this book um, henry cloud tells this story and i just want to share it with you personally as if it was my story if I walked out of here one night after work and a man with a mask came up behind me, pulled out a knife, stabbed me in the heart, took my money and left me unconscious, half dead, I would call him a mugger. But if I drove out of here one day and drove to the local hospital and I went into a brightly lit room and a man with a mask pulled out a knife, took my money, did some work on me, I would call him a doctor. It's really important that we understand the difference between a mugging and surgery. And muggings are caused from evil people doing bad things to us, but surgery is when we go to someone and we surrender to that person and say, just do with me what you need to do to help me get well. There is a suffering that is hurtful and painful that isn't healthy, and then there's another suffering that is actually a healing suffering. There can, suffering can be two types. I'm not saying all suffering is two types, but there can be two types of suffering. Healing suffering. And God is described in the Bible as the great physician. And what we need to do is we need to surrender to the great heart surgeon. And I'm talking about our spiritual heart. And we need to let the spiritual heart surgeon cut away that stuff that's not good for our hearts. And so Jesus said, he said these things. Jesus said, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And then a few sentences later, Jesus says, there's a day coming when I'll return and I'll return with my, in my Father's glory and I'm going to reward people according to what they've done. And in between those two statements, Jesus actually says, and in between those two points of time, the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus, Jesus actually tells us all in the, on this planet, he tells us how to live. Let's have a look at it again. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it, will find it. 
You see, the call of Jesus upon our lives is not to avoid suffering, but to embrace it. You go, what? Embrace it? Yeah. Jesus calls us to be a people who don't go looking for the suffering, don't go looking for the pain, but when the pain comes, embrace it. Jesus says that we are to deny ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to get my own way. I like to please myself. I think you and I are probably alike in that fact. We, we want to please ourselves. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way. If you want to have life, you've got to lose it. What does that mean? It means that we put to death, that we die to those things in our character, our character habits. There's habits of our heart that are just not healthy. They're not healthy for us. They're not healthy for those around us. And what we need to do is die to those things. We need to put them to death. And Jesus calls us as his followers to do that. You see, there are hard habits in our life that we need to face up to. And instead of avoiding the pain, we need to face it. Now, we talked about Peter. And Peter is a reluctant sufferer. Remember, Peter's the guy that said to Jesus, there's no way that pain is going to affect you, Jesus? Well, years later, a more mature Peter, an older Peter, a Peter who's seen Jesus die and rise again, a Peter who's known a bit of the rough edges taken out of him, Peter writes a letter to the Christian church. And here's what he writes. And this is a fascinating two verses that I believe is something we can apply to our lives today. Let's look at what he says. He says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Because the one who has suffered in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. You see, this is God's purpose for us in suffering. God, as I said, does not always cause the suffering and pain that we experience in life or that we see in our world, but God can use it. And like Peter, you and I may not like pain or suffering, and I don't. I'd prefer comfort, but here's the attitude we need to take to suffering. An attitude that embraces it in a way that builds our character. An attitude that sees this pain and realises that our life is so short. That passage that we just said uh, says that we would live the rest of our lives. You know, I had a birthday this week and I realise I'm another year closer to the day that I die and every day we're a day closer to the day that we die. Our life is so short. It's incy-wincy tiny. Not incy-wincy spider. It's so tiny. Our life is so short. But... God tells us how we are to live. See, our evil desires, what pain does, what suffering does when we experience personal pain, guess what it does? It actually puts a bad taste in our mouth for the wrong stuff. Have you noticed that? I have. When I'm in pain or suffering, it, it, I have to just go to God and it, and it, there's a, there's a way that suffering can actually 
purify us and cleanse us and make us more like Jesus. Make us a better person. Make us more the kind of person that we're meant to be. Make us a person that just wants to live for God. That's part of the pain. Now, there's a big question I haven't answered. I'll just quickly touch on it. The presence of evil and suffering, whether it's good and bad uh, in the world, is not evidence that God does not exist. In fact, the moment you or I say that something's good or bad or right or wrong, we actually have to admit the fact that where did we get that idea from in the first place, that something is good or bad, right or wrong, just or unjust, fair or unfair. The reason that why we as human beings think that way is because there's actually, it actually points to a source, that there is a source as, as that there is one who knows what is right and wrong. And we don't have time to go into all of that today, but it actually points to God. And within your heart and my heart, there is a longing for the world to be made right. There is a longing for the world to be restored to the way it's meant to be. And there is one who will restore it one day. And I just want to finish with this by sharing from you from the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, just a few verses. Let's have a look at it. Because this, this is good news. Jesus is going to sort it all out one day. John, one of Jesus' disciples, has a vision of heaven. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he's going to dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older order of things has passed away. Isn't that great news? One day Jesus is going to return and there'll be no health suffering, there'll be no economic suffering, there'll be no political suffering, there'll be no financial suffering, there'll be no... Uh, relationship suffering there'll be no natural disaster suffering or pain it will all be gone and that's what we look forward to and because jesus died and because he's alive right now and because he's coming back we have hope in our suffering we have hope because while we in this little tiny wincy wincy spider life that we live it's so short the pain can be very intense. It's nowhere near as intense as it was for Jesus. It was much more painful for him. Our God understands our pain. He gets it. And he's with us. He has a purpose for it. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.